Bamboo Project Podcast starts in three, two. Welcome to the Bamboo Project Podcast. My name is Donovan Gray, the future $10 billion man. On the way to $10 billion, I decided that I am going to help create one thousand millionaires including myself and not by being a guru or selling a course but by doing the things i already love to do every single day and documenting my journey to get there i figure i'll make all the mistakes so you don't have to my name is donovan gray and this is how i will turn my life into a living we made different playlists for all the things we are into and you can find each of those links in the description box below this may be your first time here and if it is welcome to the family but for everyone else this is chapter 4 page 181 so right now it is thursday september 7th and it is 12 12 p.m all right guys so before we get into the topics of the day we always start off with screen time that is with me and my beautiful baby girl check our screen time on our phone and see how much time we spent on it last week okay because if we don't take advantage of our phone then our phone is taking advantage of us so we gotta make sure that we using it in the right capacity in the right way you feel me all right Last week, every day, I spent an average of seven hours and 43 minutes on my phone each day. Okay, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, my most used app was X, which was for 10 hours and 12 minutes, then YouTube for eight hours and one minute, and then mail for six hours and 48 minutes. I picked up my phone on average 116 times per day. My first used app after each pickup was mail and then X. All right, baby girl, what was your screen time like last week? Last week, I spent on average eight hours on my phone. Um, it's up 24% from the week before. I spent 11 hours on TikTok. I spent six hours on Instagram, four hours on music, four hours on messages, and three hours on Gmail. Two, uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, my first app after pickup was messages, then music, then Gmail, and that's pretty much it. I think the reason my TikTok usage was so high is because I was streaming last week. Mm. So I was streaming on Candle Page, I think I was streaming for sure on my personal page too okay now for the subscriber check so on our main channel we are at 6,599 subscribers we're one away from 6,600 okay it's been a long time coming on the candle channel we are at 538 subscribers I don't know. Maybe y'all can tell. And I have my freaking. So I don't know if y'all can tell. I'm in a energetic mood today. Um, even though the the title of this podcast is probably going to be something centered around us getting evicted or us getting kicked out of artists and fleas. So yeah, pretty much. Like I said, uh, I'm in a good mood in spite of those things i'm trying to figure out what i should start what do y'all want to hear most right i know a lot of y'all are very cynical got some haters out there which is cool so i'm gonna start off with the eviction okay i know a lot of y'all confused about how new york is allowing us to stay here and not pay any rent and that's not how things should go and that's not fair and all other stuff right boo hoo hoo um so to you guys uh delight we have recently received a letter in the mail and in the letter is well when we first saw it right we were pretty much like wow time has come we had all this time to make the money to get out of the situation that we're in and we're still here not paying the rent right so we we're like fuck what do we do now like where do we go from here how do we figure this out what are they gonna do where are we gonna live are we gonna stay with family friends we're we gonna stay in like a shelter are we gonna stay on the street that wasn't really an option the last one but you know it's just you know different things to figure out what we're gonna do so 
my brain funny enough me and melissa work in very different ways in this in this manner and you know even though it causes friction between us i think it is helpful but it is friction so my brain goes to upwards melissa's brain goes to downward and what i mean by that is uh oh this sarah did they say yes did they say yes did they say yes did they say yes oh shit that call when they have oh breaking news breaking news so we have breaking news sheesh okay sarah okay sarah okay okay like i said breaking news so some of y'all may know uh sarah she is a fantastic content creator i think she puts a lot of work into her into her content i feel like it's very good and it's getting better like if you look at her content from before to now she put so much work into it that you can see the growth in it and now other people not other people other brands are also noticing how much work she's put into her content how good it's coming out big so, brands big brands okay big bag brands all right so elf shout out to elf for holding it down for sarah they about to she, listen listen they hit her up. They're like, hey, we want to work with you, right? So as a content creator or entrepreneurs, anybody in this space growing, you never really know what to charge for your service. You're like, I, I've heard. I just knocked the whole shit up. Hello? You're like, I've heard uh, somebody getting paid for this service that I'm going to provide, and they'll get paid $2,000. But you're like... I don't really need 2000 like I would like 2000 but I don't really need it but you're like I don't really want to undercharge myself and say like a hundred dollars because I'm like that's kind of low but I would take a hundred dollars because I would I don't mind working with a brand just to see like what happens and kind of build a relationship like at this stage that uh we're in and it's Sarah's in we'll take anything as long as it's growth so if you want to just partner with us and then we make a couple of reels or you make content or candles or whatever the case might be we bring it to the next person and we go hey we did x amount for this person this is our portfolio and then we keep growing from there i feel like that's how a lot of people think for at least i know that's how i think melissa and i'm pretty sure sarah's in the same situation or same boat um so When we have these conversations about, okay, they ask me my price. What should I say? It's like, do I go for what I've heard? Do I go for what I want? Do I go for what I need? Or do I go for something? Right? So, for, it was, it's one reel, right? Yeah. Two reels? Okay. So, for two reels, they're pretty much going to pay her $500 per reel. Right? And when she said the number, I'm like, ooh. I'm like, I, I feel, I feel kind of high. Right? But one, I'm not in that space. And two, I'm thinking about it from my pockets. I'm thinking about it from uh, like secure the bag. Right. But I'm still like, you got to get that money, though, because we don't we don't really know what they're going to say. A lot of times people do interviews and they talk about it in different shorts and things like that. And they'll say, uh, go high and see what happens, because you never know. You never know what will happen. Right. So she went for 500. They came back quick. They're like, done, done. And then that's the, it's, it's funny because I want to say it's the worst moment. We're like, damn, I should have went higher. I should have said like $1,200 or $1,000 or $2,000, right? So, right. So, like I said, to see that now Sarah has that under her belt in terms of saying, like, hey, this brand paid me $500 per reel. That's my floor for these situations. And it kind of lets her understand, like, where. Or at least it gives her an idea of where her content price-wise fits into what people were willing to pay. So, like I said, shout out to Sarah for securing that bag from them and to many more because I know it's going to be more. And then once once she's now she's in the she's in the, the eco space, the eco sphere, now people be talking like, oh, because here's the thing, right? Sarah makes great content. I say this all the time. I think Sarah's content is vastly undervalued for the amount of work and effort and the way even the response she gets to it once this video does well people are gonna be like wow we paid 500 dollars for that and we made because think about it right that video does well elf makes way more than 500 dollars right they make way more than 500 because um, if you look at it from the candle space that's 10 candles 10 big candles somebody so and we have a very small following so if we had an elf size instagram page of Ten hundreds of thousands of people. I don't even know if they had a million or not. Uh, if we had that, and we posted one of Sarah's videos, and we got twenty sales, thirty sales, out of five hundred thousand people, it's like it's a drop in the bucket. 
and what for what they paid and what they make on it is crazy. So, like I was saying, she will now be, I feel like, in that ecosphere, in that space where other people and other brands will see how well her content performs and reach out to her. And then you know what that means? Her price going up. Brand deals, prices going up. So shout out to Sarah. We're going to talk about it after the podcast, see how everything is going. But as I was saying before, we had gotten this letter um which we were under the impression that we were getting evicted and i'm still not really sure what's going on with that because now that i think about it that's on the 11th are you going to that no i'm not supposed to go. you're not supposed to go they're having they're from what i understand they have some type of protection mm-hmm. they have some type of protection in place that they're trying to lift so they can't they can't even start the eviction process because of the protection that we have. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're trying to that's what they're trying to figure out. They're trying to figure out how to how to get rid of that protection. Mm, yeah. So that's like I said, that's and it's so interesting because um I've I was hearing some news about masks coming back and new coronavirus strain, and I'm like if that is the case, they will they will probably not uh, lift this. <laughs> okay, so right, so they said we got this in the mail, and it's pretty much like Melissa is saying, it's it's asking for them to allow, it's asking for for the court to allow them to evict us, which again, even within New York law, would take a a like seen amount of time. And now that I think about it, I don't even know where we are in the eviction line. So if it, if I was just being pushed back this far, and there are others like that were before ours that weren't actually processed, they have to go through those first. Yeah, then once they go through those to finally get to ours, then the actual process starts from there, and then from there it's like okay, I'm, if I remember correctly, if we pay like for the month or something like that, then it pretty much allows us to not necessarily restart it, but we they can't. We can, there's like a loophole where we don't get evicted, where if we just pay for like the last two months, like, okay, it's reinstated and you gotta, you gotta keep paying until we don't pay again, then we get evicted. And they just kind of, honestly, the process might start all over again. So I think if, I think they would have to not accept the money from us to pay for them to evict us. That's what, that's how I think it would work. Um, so um, this one right here, uh it says this this is paragraph or line 13 it has recently it has been recently held that courts do underline have the authority to vacate e-rap stays okay they are citing oh they're citing, they're citing different court cases this one is called acti versus gregory okay it says that while the covid19 pandemic prompted the legislature to enact the statute and provide this sweeping relief in mass to deny a party interest and opportunity to challenge a stay if it can demonstrate the futility of the stay in a particular context or that it should otherwise not apply lord this is a lot uh hmm let me see if i can put this in the lamest terms so they're pretty much saying that the the law shouldn't allow them to not evict even if they have the reason to show why they're evicting and I think that's what they're using in that person's case. But here's a here's what I think. Okay, this is this is this is why I think they're gonna be messed up. Just by just reading this, and my my understanding of law and stuff like that, I think that this per that this uh, court case, the person who was getting evicted wasn't about rent. Like. I think that they found something else, like maybe they were destroying the house or breaking other rules, and that's why they got evicted. Because it maybe might have been a harm to other people in the in the apartment or in the building. So I think that's just my assumption. Because it says to deny a party an interest, which would be the building, an opportunity to challenge a stay, which would mean getting us that would be us be staying, if it can demonstrate the futility of the stay in a particular context. Or that it should otherwise not apply. That's my that's my uh, interpretation of that one. What's the other one saying? So this one is pretty much saying that it's unconstitutional to have such a, a thing put in place. And if y'all going for that route, listen, guys, yeah, I might not get that one either. Just because 
the whole situation was unconstitutional. That was literally the whole COVID pandemic was unconstitutional. Every single part of it, from top to bottom, they just made up stuff and said, we're doing this now, okay? So, to to refute that, I guess, like I said, that, this is just me reading it in my, in my language. So, this says, the primary goal of ERAP, which is the program, is to prevent tenants from being evicted who have been unable to meet rent obligations due to the negative economic consequence of COVID-19. Not, and I quote, to shield individuals whose tenancies have already been terminated and for them to remain at a dwelling indefinitely. Ooh. Our tenancy is not. Exactly. That's crazy. Exactly. Ours was not terminated. Our lease don't terminate for another two years. Yeah, honestly, right. Listen, I don't know why they keep sending us leads for no like I said, they go, they they go up against the court, and it's like, sure, like for them, hey, anything could happen, but for them to use or go with this route would pretty much be like the foundation of the whole pandemic. From what they're saying here, they're pretty much saying like, this is not legal. You can't do this, and it's like neither was making me stay in my house. Or telling me I can't work because I have to get vaccinated. None of those things are legal. Like, those are not legal things you have to do. And honestly, I think you might even back in the day, they would arrest you if you were outside past a certain time. Or it was another thing they would arrest you for. I think if you were in groups, they would arrest you. If you were going to your family's house for Thanksgiving, you would get in trouble. None of that is legal. None of that is none of that is legal, right? Unless they honestly put a like a fake law in place or whatever they call it, a different word for a law that they would have. Um, but to undermine this ERAP thing would be to undermine that whole thing. So I'm curious how that's gonna go. Uh, let's see what else do they have on here. This one says, if a tenant, this is one another court case that happened called Christophus versus Marks. If a tenant self-certifies financial hardship, there's a law that they're referring to that says it generally precludes a landlord from contesting that certification and denies the landlord a hearing, right? They're saying that that violates the court's longstanding teaching that ordinarily no man can be a judge in his own case. And I'm like, yeah, reach it. And then they're also saying that they found another case where they said that the termination of ERAP eligibility has been held to be unconstitutional. Another thing I just thought about, too, is the fact that I don't know what states these are in. Because that will vastly change. I think only New York has that. Has what, ERAP? Really? I think it was specific to, to New York. Because uh, what, what they decided there was not ERAP. It says COVID emergency eviction and foreclosure prevention. So they're using another another law to say that this is also unconstitutional because it's doing the same thing as that one. But I don't know if the other law applies to New York state law. I think I think the same people that they're using to sue or to use the same people that they're hiring for lawyers contacted us to be our lawyer. That was a, uh, you know, law 101 with the Bamboo Project. And that definitely put a little fire under us just to remember that no matter what we're doing the world is still moving on around us and we still have things to do and get done so the plan that we came up with was figure out how to make more money and as i was saying earlier in terms of i look up melissa looks down i look at uh like upside melissa looks at risk right so her instinct was okay where are we gonna live my instinct is how do we make more money right and again like i said in the beginning of the podcast it always causes some like little bit of like uh, i'm not trying to think about that part i'm trying to think about this part so the plan that we have in place right now is to as i say every podcast do the things that we know we're supposed to do that's that's really it and I feel like doing that, everything will work itself out just because if we sit down and try to weigh what the best options are and do those things, we couldn't have done any other thing because we either one, didn't know it existed or two, it wasn't the better option. That brings me to the next topic. That is us leaving Artists and Fleas. So 
this is another situation where we have to put our uh bamboo project law hat on because they want us to pay them for the entire month at the beginning of the month it's problematic for multiple reasons one is the fact that some weeks some months have five weeks in it which would be september so we have to pay seventeen hundred and seventy five dollars now that i think about it let me check something because that would be kind of crazy the 30th is the last day of september and we will be paying for a day of october because the first is on sunday and they're not they're not lowering the cost of us to pay for this month right and it's kind of like if y'all like you know because my thing is when someone starts nitpicking with me and being like petty like we could both do this we could both do this like oh he said she said be petty let's 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 bring it down to the exact nickel of how much should be paid for how much shouldn't be paid um so they want seventeen hundred and seventy five dollars this month and could we find a way to get the money maybe like we would have to take all the money made from last week like every single dollar and then borrow money to pay it and that would mean that we would pay nobody else we would pay for no other bills no inventory no expenses nothing we took all the money we have and borrowed some more and then paid them that would be how we pay for it right so that doesn't work because then you know what happened we would go into the next week where people will say hey you owe me five hundred dollars for this you owe me five hundred dollars for that I, we owe 250 over here we owe another 250 over here we have to buy inventory for 300 dollars. we have to travel which costs money like they, it would literally be no we would be sitting here with zero dollars trying to figure out how to spend four hundred dollars or whatever the amount of thousand dollars right so we're like okay it would make sense for us to do this if the fair was bringing in people right the last live that we did when i went through numbers with you guys it really just opened up my eyes to how much money and how much things go into being at the fair when they aren't actually trying to bring people in well let me not say that where their efforts are very minimal and they don't have a lot of um what's what i'm looking for there isn't a very high return on their efforts so the market is very 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 empty and when i was doing accounting with you guys there's about 50 spaces in there and 23 of them are people that are either paying memberships or have like are just pay pretty often uh then the other people are there who don't have memberships but they also pay the rest of them are just empty spots no my bad there's about five to seven people who are just trying out the market the rest though nobody's paying for it. they're just empty spots and i think it would be easier for us to stay at the market if we felt like it was on an upward trend or at the bare minimum we felt as though they treated us like we're paying a membership right they we don't get any treatment more from paying a membership than just paying week by week even though they specify that we would so to me i have a problem with that then when you look at what we bring to the market for them to treat us the way they did in terms of what happened with chelsea when they said well listen you can't if you don't pay this by sunday you can't come to chelsea on monday to sell at the seven day fair and we're like that doesn't make any sense like do you want the money because we're gonna make the money at the fair to pay you and their brain is just like nah like they pretty much said don't come this weekend and don't come next week right i mean you know what maybe in their mind they figured they will put but i was gonna say they will put somebody else in that spot which funny enough they would have because he already paid so they they wouldn't even be reducing risk they would just be increasing income because they would take our money tell us we can't come to that spot then bring another vendor in at the last minute say hey do you want to take this spot it's fifteen hundred dollars and they just made three grand on that one spot so i think that that's what they probably were trying to go with and oh i forgot the other thing too i just remembered this do you remember this babe 
that they were trying to get us to move our dates. So we think they use that situation. We think they somehow mismanaged their bookings and were trying to get us out of that that week to have somebody else in that week. And they were using this as the reason to get us out of the spot. But we're like, you know what? We're going to do it. We're going to try. I don't know if we borrowed money or I think I don't know if we borrowed money to pay it that you said we did. Um, and then we paid. Yeah, I think I, think, I think I borrowed from my mom and we paid whatever we had to pay for them. Right. Just for the week to go, terrible. So it's just kind of like, it's like, bruh, uh, it's, it's really not working out there. And Melissa and I talked about this yesterday where we don't know how bad the market is getting or has gotten because what we wanted last year was so much less. So if we made like $500, not five, if we made like 500 in a day, and then like 400 the next day, we're like, oh, that was a pretty good day. If we made a thousand for the weekend, like, oh, that was a pretty good weekend. But that wouldn't really sustain us now because we have so much more bills. And to be honest with you, last month we didn't even do a thousand a weekend. Uh, we did under four thousand for the weekend for the month. So it really makes us think like, is it is it worth doing this? So after crunching the numbers on live with y'all, after talking with Melissa. After looking at how much vendors are there and how many actual permanents, we made the decision to, I mean, I was going to say that we made the decision to not be there anymore. And that's not necessarily what we did. We emailed them and said, hey, listen, we don't have the money to pay, right? However... We can pay on this date. We can pay you some money this date and some money that date. And we'll have you'll have the full amount, the full 1775 by the end of the month. Right? So they pretty much were like, nah, that's not gonna work. And I'll give y'all some dates to, to kind of have it in your mind. You can see what we were planning. So today is the what, the seventh? We were gonna pay them on the 14th. Like $900, right? Then we would pay him again on the 28th, another $900. And that would be the full, like, $1,800 that we owe them, right? Because the reason I said that, or I wanted, to play, I wanted to strategize it that way, is because I have no idea what will happen this weekend with them. So if we go there this weekend and we don't have enough money to pay them by Monday, it's kind of like, it, we're we're just we're literally in a in a hamster wheel just running around in circles just running and running and running and running because we'll we will make if we made twelve hundred dollars twelve hundred dollars this weekend and had to pay them nine hundred on Monday we have we are left with three hundred dollars right that's not including anybody else that we have to pay like that includes nobody else that means nine hundred of the dollars went right to them out of the twelve. And that's if we do 1200 which has been slim pickings for the last couple weeks. Like, for us to do that, we would have to pretty much make the bulk of that money, maybe like $900 on Saturday, and then possibly make some more money, make like $300 on Sunday. Like, that's how we would be able to get to 1200 which is asking for a lot from a market that's not that busy. So, we go, okay. Here's what they, we told them that's the plan. We're going to try this. They were like, nah, we want you to pay 900 on Monday. And then we want you to pay. No, 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 I'm wrong. They, <laughs> they want us to pay 900 before this Saturday. Right. Then they want us to pay the additional 900 on Monday. So they want the full 1800 by Monday. And we're just like, listen, that's not that's not going to work. Now, this is somewhat, it's not off topic necessarily, but I want to tell you how we even got to that point in terms of sending that email. I was watching a podcast uh, with Alex and I learned something I thought was very interesting. And it was a term, Alex Ramosi, it was a podcast. I don't remember who he was with. I think it was Chris Williamson or something. He used a term called anxiety cost and he was relaying it to the term opportunity cost. Right now, some people may not know what opportunity cost means, and I will give you a definition right now. Okay, so opportunity cost 
is the loss of potential gain from other alternatives when one alternative is chosen, right? So if I choose to go to the right, I might get a dollar. The opportunity cost was if I went to the left, I could have gotten $2. Like that's the cost. That's the opportunity that I had to go over there. The cost I paid was a dollar technically because I only got um, $1. They said anxiety cost was what term they came up with. Now, how the anxiety anxiety cost works is we spend a lot of time not making a decision because we have anxiety around that decision. So in this example, it was, okay, I have to write them this email saying that we are not going to be paying. We don't have the money to pay. Right. And I was like semi procrastinating about it, kind of just doing other things I need to do in, in place of that and not really hitting it hard when, you know, coming to make that decision because I had a very strong feeling that once we made that decision or sent that email, they would pretty much be our like it's putting it in I'm drawing our line in the sand saying, OK, we're probably not going to be artists and fleets anymore. And with that comes this idea of we don't have a 100 percent foundation to leave artists and fleets. So there's always going to be anxiety around the idea of just jumping with no safety net. Right. So that was what was prolonging the decision to send the email. But what they were saying is the longer that you take to do whatever thing you have anxiety around, the longer it takes for you to get the positive result from doing the thing. So let's say that I keep just not emailing them, right? There can either be a negative outcome or a positive outcome from me emailing them. They can either say, hey, okay, you know what? We will uh, we'll let you pay it in two months or whatever. Or that's the positive one. The negative one is, no, you can't be here no more. That's it, right? However, because I'm not making that decision, I will. Ne- it will take me as long to figure out what the next move is to do because I'm not sending an email. So since I sent the email, it's like, okay, now they said this, we know that we now have to ramp up on online marketing or hiring, hiring the marketing agency, or we have to ramp up on selling outside or ramp up on going to other fairs, right? But the longer it would take me to do that is the longer it would take for me to actually do the other things that come after it. So that's the cost that I'll be paying is I might make $500 on Sunday at another fair because I'm like, okay, they curved us and said we can't come to their fair, Artists and Fleas, let's go to this other fair and make $500, right? Or they said, sure, no problem, pay it on that day. And we're like, okay, cool. Now we know how we can make our decisions going forward because we've already chosen, we're gonna send an email, they're gonna say whatever they're gonna say, and we're gonna move from there. And that was like a concept to me that I felt at least I've embodied for over the last like two or three days, just because it falls in line with the idea of doing what we know we're supposed to do. And I think Melissa and I talked about this too, where we know what the next stage, what the next steps are for us. We like, we sit down, we talk about it. We're like, what else makes sense? Nothing else really makes sense. So if nothing else makes sense, let's do what makes sense. Cause that's it. Obviously we're supposed to either learn online marketing because we're not making money at the fairs, go to different fairs, uh, have candles to sell at the fair. Like these are the things that make sense. It wouldn't make sense to go to a fair with not enough candles. That doesn't make any sense. So we should have enough candles to sell at the fair, right? Do things that make sense. But the problem that we have is that the time period it takes for us to get to that has it's it's longer than the most advantageous duration for us. So the quicker we can make those decisions to either uh, join the market, not join the market, pay for online hire marketing agency or go to a different fair is the quicker that we know it's either gonna work or not gonna work. If I cho- if I if it takes me a whole month to decide on whether or not we should sell outside, right? 
that's 30 days that are gone because I don't know. I haven't decided to sell outside. So now imagine after the 30 days come, I go, okay, we're going to sell outside. We go outside and we're like, damn, we don't actually have a tent. And now it take another 30 days to figure out how to buy a tent, right? That's 60 days of time spent that could have been spent in two or three days. And we could have already condensed that time period into a week instead of into two months. So that is what how I internalize anxiety costs. And that was me using it in that situation where it's like, okay, this is something that needs to be done right now. Let's get it out the way. And I don't want to think about it. And another tidbit to that is something called open loops. And that's just when your brain has an idea that you never finished. So like if I said like A, B, C, and you, your brain's like, wait, what's the rest of the song? I know you're going to say something else. And you're like, wait, why didn't... Now, your brain might actually say it in its head because you have to complete that loop. So, I think me personally, I know for a fact, I have a lot of open loops. And it makes me stagnant because I just keep thinking about how much things I have to do. And because if I'm not doing them, I just have the open loop. It never gets closed. And it just... It's a... It's a... um. It's like a weight. It's like a heavier weight. So the more loops I close, the less the weight is and lighter I feel. So that's, that's one, thing, one thing I've been working on recently is trying to get that situated. But like I said, it seems like this will be our last thing, Artists and Fleas. Um, Y'all know me. I'm always going nuclear. And I think that's because it's always been reinforced in my past as the best option for me. Um, when it, All the times I made the most money was when I went nuclear at something prior and the next thing was it because I always felt like if I stay here, I'm gonna just be like stagnant. If I stay at the melt shop, they're not giving me hours, I'm gonna be stagnant. If I stay at doing a bike messenger, they're lowering their pay, I'm gonna be stagnant. Like it doesn't make, if I'm making $50 an order and I'm able to move and progress and make, you know, move and shake and whatever, I can't do those moves if you're now paying me $2 per order. It's not going to work. This to me feels like that. It just feels like, listen, we have to cut ties and move forward. And even funny enough, same thing happened, used to happen with, it used to happen with girls I would talk to. When I was kind of in the whole game space, I remember, there's so, so many things that just kind of reinforce this. When I was in the game space, like talking to girls game for people who are unfamiliar, uh... When you realized you no longer wanted to talk to a girl, the most manly thing to do was to call her. Was to, you don't text her, right? You could see her. That's another option. I don't necessarily think that that's. I don't think it's needed. But you definitely don't text it. You call or you see the person, and you say the words, "I'm not doing this anymore." The reason you say that is because there's no ambigu- amb- ambiguity. And there's no ambiguity about what your decisions are. You're very straightforward. You you decided. Listen, I have thought about it. If you and now if she says, "Hey, what happened?" You can explain it to her, but you don't start rambling. Like, you know, I really think that we would be better as friends. And I really just felt like you say, "Listen, hey, I'm not doing this anymore." Sometimes they go, "Okay, fine." Sometimes they go, "Oh, what happened?" They might cry. But funny enough, most of the times. Whatever outcome I thought would happen from me doing that never really happened. Like, rarely was a girl, like, like in tears, like, or screaming or cursing or whatever. It was more so kind of like, uh, like a defeated kind of sound as opposed to, like, angry, hysterical vibe. Um, but I think that's because most people don't approach it like that. And I think when you approach it from that other route where you're kind of, like, trying to soothe their feelings i think that's when they become more hysterical so between that and when my bike would get stolen it's like this my bike is stolen there's no there's no crying about it there's no going to like do anything just go buy another bike get back to work and like i said those things reinforce the idea of just do the thing it has to get done it doesn't matter either you're not gonna be with her you know you're not gonna be with her you don't like her she did something you don't like leave her there's no conversation the bike is stolen there's no reason to to cry about to nothing you have to buy another bike get back on the bike make the money in the story that's it 
the longer I sit in the longer I sit in it, the longer it takes for me to get out of it. And this again feels just like that. 100% just like that. So, I'll keep you updated as to what happens as far as that market, but the plan right now is we are getting uh, the marketing loan, which I will be the next topic I bring up with y'all, and then selling outside. And we're gonna see where that goes. Man, honestly, it might be a little bit fun story. Maybe I'll vlog it because Melissa might be at the fair when they pull up to her. Cause I'm gonna be at a different fair on Sunday. They might wanna, you know, ask her what her vibe is or you know, check her temperature about being at the market since we're not paying. Now, like I said. The marketing loan. It's a total of seven thousand five hundred dollars. They already gave us twenty five hundred. They were kind of on the fence about the next twenty five hundred, um, just because they want us to see how they want to know if we spent it on ads or if we spent it doing other things and what the return was specifically on ads so that kind of took longer than i feel like it should have plus it was labor day but again we stick into this plan of we need to respond as soon as possible to emails we have we know what we're supposed to do do it as quickly as we can and move the needle forward so melissa emailed them everything they asked for as far as what the numbers are um how much sales we got from it what the impressions are and how we're going to use the next round and they first let's send an email back kind of like well we don't know how much money y'all make we don't really know if this is a good thing to give you guys more money we're not really sure and then when melissa documented the plan for them they're like oh great that sounds amazing that's perfect we get the money by the end of the week and that was yesterday so the money might be in our account today or tomorrow hopefully um and right now the plan for that money is to take it flip it right into the marketing agency have them do their thing on the back end and then we use the rest of it to create content like that to me i feel like is the best thing the best options for us because i think that we both enjoy making content and i think that that is the highest leverage thing that we can do that gets the biggest return because in the space at least in candles and, you know, there's entrepreneurship and things like that. But I don't necessarily feel like there are a lot of candle people making content that people really enjoy looking at. Like, it just seems it, everybody's everybody's content the same. It's a candle lit next to another candle with some color in the back. Like, that's pretty much what you're going to see for the most part. If it's not lit, it's probably a leaf, some type of floral background or something like that. Right. And. I feel like we have so many ideas that we want to do when it comes to making content, whether it be shorts, reels, long form, ads, video, whatever the thing, my skits, all types of stuff, memes, and even photography. We feel like even photography that we do see, it doesn't really hit like that. So we think that we can do better. We both have a little uh, narcissism about ourselves that we think we're better than everybody and it's just you know that's probably how we you know got together because we both feel like that you know we're the best at everything so when we when that happens we decide you know what let's do it ourselves right <laughs> melissa is more on the train of do it ourselves than i am but she will like want to do everything herself like like across the board like everything like if it's up to her she'll build a, build a laptop like she was like okay we need a laptop i'm gonna build it i'm like we could just go to the store and buy it but I, could, I could just build it i'm like all right we need to like dial it back me on the other hand my thing is because i think i'm better than everybody and everything i believe that i can do it i'm just like is it worth my time to put into that that's my that's what my you know uh conflict is always at so this is something that we decided that we better for us both to to do the photography and make the video make the content so we're going to use some of that money to put it towards either buying uh, equipment maybe spending on buying other people's candles um maybe even props and um what do you call that i'll call it uniform what do you call it when you wear clothes for a shoot costumes Maybe we'll buy a costume. I'm gonna buy a big giant candle costume. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so that that's pretty much um where we are when it comes to that. And now we have the League of Villains segment.
<laughs> I wasn't gonna touch it, but sure, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Oh. Hey guys, how you doing? Okay. Uh, okay, what's been going on? So I've been going to my class. This past week was talking about finance, financial statements and stuff like that. Like I said, I feel like the class is very introductory. Um, so it's not as helpful as I'd like it to be, but I'm still holding on to see if there's any resources, opportunities, or any, um, you know, any pertinent information that they may bring up later that I may be interested in. So there's that. I know I spoke to you guys last month or, you know, a couple weeks ago about being invited to do another pitch competition. This time the grand prize is 30000 So I just received the brief this morning. I'm a finalist for the competition. And then we have to send in our pitch deck by monday they're going to eliminate someone based off of what we send and then the process is going to continue for the actual competition and i feel really good i feel like the lowest i feel like the lowest i'll come in is second place i feel like but i feel like i'm a shoo-in for first and i like donovan said i know that we have a little little, little, little tinge little tinge of narcissism or whatever but that's not even really the reason the reason why I feel like we're going to come in first is because we have over 4,000 units sold and we have over 3,000 transactions, like like high 3,000, like 3,700 transactions. So, um, that's about 3,700 different customers that we've had. And that's just at fairs. That doesn't include online. So that often speaks louder like I, I can give so much more information I can I can bring up the perfumes and how much of a margin difference like that is like the perfume the margins on the perfumes are insane so it's just kind of like going into the space having that information having the proof of concept it you're gonna win if everybody else doesn't really have that and that's what I learned from my first experience of doing the pitch competition um and from being in all these different programs, like I'm in mad programs, y'all. I'm in a different program. <laughs> I'm in a different pro. I'm in a different program every other week. So it's kind of like I'm I'm hearing other business owners that that is within the same level as us, within the same level as us. And I'm seeing what they're doing. I'm hearing what they're saying, and it's just like okay, we we are a really good business in the small business space. It's a really good business on paper. We just have a lot of personal debt. But the business is, it's, it is uh, in the top percentiles of businesses. Like, it's really crazy. So, yeah, I think we're issuing for that. But, you know, if I come in in less than second place, I don't know. Something must have happened. Oh, yeah. So another one of the brands that we partner with, we're on their platform. It's called the Forklore Connect and um, or the Forklore Connection. It's a black owned marketplace that connects smaller brands. Um, I think they're minority owned brands to larger retailers like Nordstrom, um, Urban Outfitters, like brands like that in order for them to purchase the product from you, which is very different than kind of like the different accelerator programs where they're gonna actually own a percentage or buy your business. They're, they would be just um, wholesaling the product, you know, buying it wholesale from us. So they reach out to us because they also have a lot of clothing and a lot of designers on there as well. And they're, they are a part of New York Fashion Week with their designers. So our candles they asked us if we'd like to provide samples for them to give out um for their for their new york fashion week event and they're going to be handing it out to the retailers to the press and all that stuff so that we dropped that off yesterday so i'm super excited um new york fashion week actually starts today so like i said that where fingers crossed something good comes from it whether it's positive press and all that stuff 
um, or one of the retailers maybe look, you know, if, if the opportunity arises where they maybe want to have Ember Candle Co., you know, in the store. How do I, I would, I guess another thing that I would want to say is just kind of like how I'm feeling. I'm feeling like there's not enough hours in the day to get all the work done. And it's just so much work for both of us to do ourselves. But having the opportunity to scale back from doing the, the, because I feel like, Putting all of our energy into like being at Artisan Fleas on the weekends, if only to make the amount that we're making and not having the opportunity to leave early if if it's slow, not having the opportunity to to really like um, manage what we want to do for the business while being there, it, it's it's it's. Um, I'm excited to have that freedom. And what I mean by that is it's like using the vendor's license and us selling on the street, we can leave whenever we want. We can set up whenever we want. And it's just such a greater opportunity to make money. Because if we go outside and make $400 a day, like that's like being at Chelsea, where the income is just going to be higher just because we have more of an opportunity to be outside. And if we set up, like once we start doing it and learning the better locations for us to set up at, you know, we're only gonna improve, we're only gonna get better, the word of mouth is only gonna get stronger and we're only gonna grow more. So there's that. And we're not gonna be losing money. Like Donovan said, we had to pay like damn near $2,000 a month to be at Artists and Fleas. It's like around 1,500 to, to 1,700. That's money we save, at, That's we do not have to pay that. We do not have to pay that out. That $2,000 could go so far. That could be advertising. That could be paying people, paying people back, making sure our debts are caught up. Like, it's so much. Like, if, if, if in the case they do go through and are able to lift the eviction thing, we may be able to pay, pay the rent. I know y'all like that. Like, it's, there's so much to gain from leaving and then I, I remember we were trying to um this was in December of last year I'm pretty sure we have a live of us doing it where we were going to stores door to door trying to like get um different retailers to put the candles inside the stores and we sold candles just doing that wasn't even the purpose of going outside it was not to sell candles and we sold candles there so it's kind of like if we're in a park in a in a nice area whatever and are able to to do what we're trying to do i just really feel like i really feel like we're going to be successful at this new venture so i'm excited about that i'm excited to build a new display i think that me and melissa are in a really good place i would say I think we're in the best place. What do you think? You think that's overreaching? Be honest. We need honest opinions. What do you feel like? I think so. Think so? Yes. I think that Melissa and I are currently in the best place relationship-wise that we've been in since we've gotten together. Um, it's been about four days or so, maybe like five days. Um, and I think that we are just on the same page. I feel like, to me, I just feel like... I, that's the feeling I get that we understand what we're trying to do and we are both moving in the same direction and it feels like there's a flow uh, just there. So I think that's helped a lot and it's just cool to, you know, be a part of that. So one thing I did want to talk about, too, is the fact that I have come up with some. A lot of times when I'm editing the podcast, not the podcast, well, the podcast too, but mostly the vlogs in the storage unit slash office, I fall asleep after like 10 minutes. And honestly, I'm lying. It's probably less. Like, <laughs> there was one specific moment I remember. There was a clip that I was editing. I was editing a clip and I kept falling asleep before I got to the end of the clip. And I kept it kept happening. I'm just like, God damn! I didn't feel just I didn't finish the clip yet. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, what is crazy? And I remember clicking on the clip to see how long the clip was. Cause I'm like, I'm falling asleep before I get from the beginning of the clip to the end of the clip. How long is this clip? 
the clip was less than 30 seconds. I fell asleep multiple times within 30 seconds of trying to edit this one clip. And I could not believe I could I was in shock. Like this is crazy. Like and I remember being like, okay. I remember going like I'ma stare at the screen, I'ma stare at it, I'ma look. Alright, I'm locked in. I know it's 30 seconds. I'm gonna make sure I get to the end this time. And in me even doing that, I felt my eyes like closing and like I'm like, this is crazy. And what always gets me is that. I be I'm thinking like I'm looking at it and I start thinking about like maybe a memory or something I'm supposed to do for the day. But while I'm thinking about it, my eyes are closed. That's how I, that's how I always get God. I'm like, damn, damn again. And I'm like, this is unacceptable. So I've been trying to figure out ways to stay awake while I edit uh, in the office. So I had a couple of things that I would do. One of them is I would get up and I would walk around the storage unit area like not inside but like outside just to wake my eyes up and i always noticed that i felt like my eyes would drain out of whatever sleepy chemical was there but it, immediately when i would sit back down it would come back after maybe two or three minutes that was one thing i'll go i walk around i come back in i kind of fall asleep a little bit and i'm like all right it will last if i walk around i will probably get another like five minutes before i get tired right then i would play balloons which is like a game on my on my computer and if I I would play that for maybe like 30, eh, like 30 minutes or so, and I'll come back to editing. That might get me like 20 minutes of editing. But I'm like, that's not going to be sufficient. Like I can't work for t- every 20 minutes and then play 30 minutes and then we're for 20. Like it's not going to work. I'll never finish this freaking vlog. And I'm like, all right, what else can I do? And I remember the thing that worked the most was I actually set a timer for 20 minutes to edit. And it was almost like magic. Like I set the timer and I think that the pressure of of making it to the 20 minutes is what allowed me to stay awake. And I think this is a, a byproduct of not being stimulated enough to continue to focus on something. Right. And I think that it's similar to people who procrastinate where you don't get enough adrenaline from whatever you're doing. So you have to do it the last minute. I think setting a time for 20 minutes helped me do that. And it was funny because I stayed up the entire 20 minutes and I did it again for another 20 minutes. So I was working for 40 minutes straight, nonstop. And I didn't go on my phone. I didn't go on the computer. I mean, I didn't like play any games. I didn't take any breaks. It's just 40 minutes straight. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing. I'm like, this is great. It happens. And I did it for a third time. Funny that the third time I didn't set a timer and I kind of got a little sleepy. So I just think it's very interesting that that happened to work. So I think that'll be something I do going forward. And I'll let y'all know if that actually continues to work. But that was my first uh, uh, snap at it. Now, that whole thing showed me how poor my focus is like how poor it is and i remember i watched a short where a guy his name is andrew huberman i think he's a neuroscientist and he was talking about a trick you can do to to like work on your focus so how it works is you sit down you stare at a, a spot on the wall or the ceiling right and you cannot move you can blink, but you cannot close. You cannot close your eyes. You have to stare at this spot for two minutes, two entire minutes, right? You can't move your fingers, you can't move your toes, and what you're supposed to do is focus on how your body is reacting and feeling in that moment. If you if you feel like your toe tingles or your earlobe moves or tick anything, you just focus on what you're feeling, but you cannot touch it. You cannot move, right? So I'm at the market last weekend testing it out. And, bruh, I was at the market testing it out. I fell asleep. I fell asleep in the two minutes. And it, and I could feel the same feeling that I get when I'm editing. And that's when I remember, like, there's something going on here. Like, it, it, it almost feels like hypnosis, but, like, right around my eyes, like, it gets so heavy. And I think what happens is my body, because nothing is stimulating it to a certain degree, 
it 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 thinks I'm going to sleep. So I think it releases whatever sleep chemicals your body does for you to kind of not move while you're sleeping. I think it releases that for me. So I'm like, this is a problem. Like if I can't even sit down for two minutes and stare at a wall for two minutes. I was staring at my iPhone um, camera. I'm like, if I can't do that for two minutes, I have a very big problem. That's a huge problem. So I'm like, okay, obviously that shows me that my, I have a, I need a dopamine detox. I need to have, uh, I need less things that require or that give me quick hits of dopamine. So right now I'm trying something new. I've never done this before in this capacity. What I'm doing now is I have removed short scrolling on my phone. Okay. So here's what that means. I have still watched shorts, funny enough, not very many, but I am not allowed to scroll on the shorts page. I feel like when I'm on this, like I, I could feel it for myself. I could feel it happening to me when it was, when it was happening and I knew it was getting crazy. So like I would have my phone in my hand. I would be scrolling as I'm walking around the house, as I'm going to the bathroom, as I'm whatever I'm doing, I would have the phone and I'm scrolling and I'm like. I'm literally looking for something to go, ha, 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 that was funny. Ah, like I'm looking, my brain is looking for that feeling of dopamine. And I think when I switch it in my head of what dopamine actually is, it helps me to understand what, what I should be trying to avoid. So, like, it was, bro, I remember I would get up, I'll be walking around the house just scrolling. Just like look out the window while I'm scrolling. It'll be in my hand. I'm just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And I felt it when it was happening. I'm like, eh, it's not that big a deal. I'm going to put it down, which is obviously the sign of an addict. Um, but I'm like, you know what? Now I'm not going to scroll. I'm not I'm, I'm not going to scroll at all. I'm going to scroll on YouTube or Instagram, or whatever. But I'm not scrolling on a short form content because it's so much. It's a, the dopamine rush is so high that I'm like, I cannot continue to, to do this, especially if I can't manage it the way I should be. So I'm probably like. Honestly, I don't know. It might, it might have been since Monday. And here's what I've noticed doing it. So I've noticed that I definitely fall asleep when things aren't active enough. Like things aren't happening. I'm like, okay, I'm watching a show, a movie or whatever. I'm like, oh, man, this shit is slow as fuck. I'm like, oh, my Lord, have mercy. Right. I've also noticed an increased irritability from it. Like I've noticed that I'm kind of like. Just cranky like ah, I need something to do right. I've also noticed that my I think my brain is looking for other things that would increase or give me a dopamine hit. That was like the first two days or so, but I think as of today, I'm I f- I don't feel the urge of looking for dopamine like I did the other two or three days. But again, it's only like day four, so I don't really know what else comes from it. But I do feel better not scrolling on shorts because one thing that y'all may remember, I'm I'm a huge proponent of F shorts. Like I don't like shorts and it was fine because I never had I, I made it a point to never put TikTok on my phone. I'm like, I'm not downloading it. I'm not using I'm not going on it. Right. But then everybody became TikTok. Instagram became TikTok. Twitter became TikTok. Uh, YouTube became TikTok. And I'm like, now I'm on the shorts page. I'm on the reels page and I'm scrolling and I'm like, I'm back. I'm I'm exactly where I did not want to be. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm putting it into this. I'm no longer scrolling on a shorts page. I feel like if I scroll on the other, maybe like the Instagram feed or if I scroll on just on the regular feed on YouTube or, or Twitter, the same amount of dopamine isn't there because my brain one isn't getting anything i'm watch if i have to watch a video it's going to be long so the thumbnail is not causing me a dopamine rush it's just a thumbnail right if i'm on yeah i'm not getting that dopamine rush from just scrolling on there oh and on twitter it's words so i'm like i have to read now granted these are not like at some point i want to completely or like ridiculously remove or reduce the amount of social media that I use, but these are better options than scrolling on shorts. Like, 
like I said, X or Twitter. I can scroll on his words. It's not. I'm not getting that rush from it, right? Twitter, not Twitter. Instagram, not going on reels. YouTube, not going on reels. And I still don't use TikTok at all. I just don't. Because if they're the, they're the king of it, I already know I go in there. I'd be fucked. I'd be fucked. So I'm not. I'm even gonna try my hand at it. Like I said, that's pretty much it. And then the last thing I kind of wanted to bring to y'all too was just how last weekend even went at the craft fair. So we did like thirteen hundred dollars. I think we did nine hundred dollars on Saturday and like four hundred on Sunday. But it's so slow. Like it's it's so slow. And bro, it's so funny because there was a there was a person in front of us, and on they weren't really getting a lot of sales. On Sunday, the market closed at 7 o'clock, 7 p.m. Well, on Saturday and Sunday. They walked out of the market at like 3 o'clock. They got up and were like, they packed up their stuff and they just dipped. And another vendor was talking to us saying like, oh, man, that's crazy that they would do that. And I'm just like, listen, I've done it. I understand. Because if I've been here for two days, right? I've been here for two days. On the first day, I made $50. I've been here for eight hours. On the second day, I made fifty dollars, and it's from my friend. I'm like, I spent three fifty, and it's slower today on Sunday than it was that I made my money on Saturday. What? Why would I stay here? I'm not staying here. And to be frank, I never want to come back. So I don't even care what they say to me. I'm never coming back here again. Like that's that's how I imagine that they feel. For them to pack up at three o'clock and just like, bruh, it's a waste of my time. To be sitting here for another four or five hours to get no sales. I'm literally sitting here. I am. This is the epitome of wasting my time. And it's different. Like I said to y'all before, if I'm trying to sell and people aren't buying it, that's different. But if no one's here for me to sell to, that's the worst. I can't even test if what I'm doing is working. I'm literally sitting here by myself. I can do this in my house. I can sit in my house, set up my table and in the hallway, hope people walk by and I get sales. So we will be back here next week. You can find all the behind the scenes content on our social medias. Mine is Donovan Gray, D-O-N-I-V-A-N-G-R-A-Y. And then you have Melissa Burnett, A-N-E-T-A-B-U-R-N. You know what it is. Hashtag Bamboo Project 2023, the road to 500K. I said, it's looking real slim. We don't know what's going to happen in the next four months. If we make 500K somehow next four months, we got to get us a plaque. Get us get us a plaque. You got to give us some trophy or something. And with that being said, Bamboo Project out.